Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. And uh, welcome uh, to Coastal Community Church. Great to have you with us today. As Scott said, I am Pastor Chris. And uh, so thank you for being here in person. And uh, thank you for tuning in online and being a part of today's service. As always, we appreciate uh, your engagement. Um, hey, I've got actually one other announcement I want to make. By the way, we have an awesome worship team, don't we? They're, they're just uh, phenomenal each and every week. Such humble servants. They're, they're not performers. They're worshipers. And uh, they just uh, it just fills them with joy to be able to lead uh, all of us in worship week in and week out. So the announcement I have goes along with, with our worship team and all of us. We're actually having an extended uh, night of worship on a Friday night, November the 19th. So just a couple of weeks away, I want to invite you to come back Friday night, November the 19th here. Uh, it's, it's in person only. In person only. I want to invite you to come back and worship with us. The, the theme for that night uh, is peace and uh, man, it's just going to be a powerful evening. And um, I've heard and seen a lot of what they're going to be doing. And, and you're going to be blessed. And it's going to be just a, a great night of, of worship and praise and encouragement. So make sure you come back. Uh, there is child care provided for that from birth uh, through kindergarten. And uh, everybody else, we invite them to join with us as a family uh, here together. So uh, today, uh, we are uh, back to our series on the fruit of the Spirit. This is week seven, and uh, we are going to be talking about faithfulness today. Faithfulness. Now, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. You ought to have this memorized by now, right? I hope you do. Galatians 5. In fact, let's do me a favor. Let's all read this out loud together. Can you do that with me? Can you impress your neighbors with your great reading ability? In fact, do me another favor. We didn't do this in the first service, but I feel led to do it today. Let's stand up together at the reading of God's word. And uh, let's read this out loud together with great gusto. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Very good. You may have a seat. So that's what I want us to talk about today, uh, the fruit of faithfulness. What does it look like? How do you get it? How does it work? How do you sustain it? So to answer some of those questions, uh, today I want us to look at what Jesus says is one of the greatest examples of faith. And it's not what or who you would think, okay? It's found in Luke chapter seven. Follow along as I read. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. 
I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. So, did you catch verse nine there? Jesus, Luke tells us that Jesus was amazed at this uh, Roman officer's faith. Some translations use the word uh, marveled, astonished. So why? Why was Jesus amazed at this guy's faith? Well, first of all, he was a Gentile. But in, in addition to that, he's also a Roman officer, a Roman uh, soldier. Some translations use the word centurion, which meant that he was responsible for roughly a hundred other soldiers. Six centurions made up a, a, um, a cohort, uh, 600 men. And then 10 cohorts made up a legion, 6,000 men. Now, we know that Jesus understood these terms and understood these divisions because remember at his arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane, he basically said, hey, if I want to, I can call down 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels. So centurions back then, they were the, the backbone of the Roman army. Many times they were uh, older hardened soldiers who had probably experienced uh, an awful lot of bloodshed and a lot of cruelty. Now, think about all that just for a moment. So had I asked you at the beginning of the service to come up with the best example of faith that you could, how many of you would have immediately thought about a hardened Roman officer? You know, probably not, right? But Jesus did. And more than that, he actually holds this guy up as an example for you and for me to follow. So I want us to talk about why today. We're going we're to zero in on, on this particular counter, encounter that Jesus has to try to learn today about the kind of faith, the kind of faithfulness that evidently amazes Jesus. So, number one. If you're taking notes, it begins with simple trust. It begins with simple trust. In verse two, Luke tells us that this, uh, this Roman officer has a servant that he values highly, and this servant has become sick and was to the point of death. Now, the officer has heard about Jesus, okay? Probably heard about his teaching, probably heard about what kind of guy he was, probably heard about his miracles. So in his desperation, he sins for Jesus, okay? Hebrews 11.6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now I want you to notice right there that faith, According to this verse, it is connected 
with seeking God. With seeking God. Now, why is that important? Well, because your faith is only as good as its object. Did you know that? Your faith is only as good as its object. For example, how many of you ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, you know, just have faith and uh, think good thoughts and uh, everything's gonna turn out okay. Or maybe if something you know, bad's going on in, in somebody's life, they'll kind of put it out there on social media. Hey, if you feel like it today, send some good vibes my way. You know, send some good vibes to you know, so-and-so's way. Seriously? Good vibes, right? Good thoughts, good vibes, just have faith. Here, here's my question. Have faith in what? Have faith in who? Don't you see, simply having faith in faith is not good enough. You know, good thoughts, good vibes. Listen, your faith is only as good as its object. The Roman officer here didn't have faith that his servant would be better, you know, or and just think good thoughts. No, his faith was directed at who? Jesus. The servant's dying. He'd heard about Jesus, so he sends some of the Jewish elders to go get him. Now, looking back at this verse from Hebrews, here's the other thing about faith. You really don't have to understand everything about it to use it, to exercise it. You only have to know that without it, you can never please God. You know, it's faith that enables us in the first place to believe in God. It's faith that enables us to seek God, that enables us to know that God is good. In fact, he promises to reward those who, who seek him. Now, you might be thinking this morning, Pastor Chris, that sounds pretty simple, right? You know, but, but what is it that then keeps people from actually doing that, having that simple faith? Well, I, I can think of several reasons. I think one of the biggest is probably the, our blindness that comes from our own human pride. From, from pride. Do you, do you remember the time in uh, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has been teaching, and there's some children nearby. His disciples are there. Some other people are there. And he, he calls this little child over. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. Circle that phrase there, become like little children. Now, does that mean that you can't be a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, unless you're you know, highly educated or, or highly intelligent? You, know, you, you, can't, you can't be a follower of Jesus. You, know, if, if you're, you, know, you have to be more like a child. No, of course not. Jesus isn't advocating here childish thinking, but he is advocating a very humble, childlike faith, a childlike trust that God is real and that he does reward those who earnestly seek him. That, that lack of cynicism, that, that childlike trust and joy and, and faith. So first of all, that's the kind of faith that amazes Jesus that he holds up as an example. But secondly, number two, it always focuses on the needs of others. It focuses on the needs of others. So this Roman officer sins for Jesus, not for himself, that's key, not for himself, but to help and to heal his highly valued servant. Now, you need to understand that in that day, in that context, 
That would have never happened. I mean, that was so unusual. You know, during Roman oppression, during Roman occupation, first of all, slavery was very commonplace. And slaves were regarded as as property. In fact, under Roman law, a master had the right to kill his slaves. In fact, it was expected that he would do so if that slave, if that servant ever got sick or injured to the point where they could no longer work. But apparently, this Roman officer cares enough about his servant to send for Jesus to heal him. Now, that does raise a very interesting thought. You know, as as I read through this passage, one of the things that that I think about is the doctrine of vicarious faith. Ever heard of that? Vicarious faith. You know, when when we talk about uh, Jesus' death on the cross, sometimes people will refer to it as the a, a vicarious atonement. A vicarious atonement. In other words, Jesus submitted himself to the cross, to the crucifixion, not for himself, but for you, for me. In other words, he died in our place. So that's what the word vicarious means. It means acting or doing something for the benefit of someone else, for others. So vicarious faith is when one person's faith is used for the benefit of others. You see, it was the faith of the centurion, the faith of the Roman officer on behalf of his servant that amazed Jesus. And that servant ends up being completely healed, and yet, as far as we know, the servant never met Jesus, never uttered a word to Jesus. Now, you'd expect this miracle to take place as the result of you know, somebody coming to Jesus, to the servant coming to Jesus himself and asking Jesus to heal him. And there's all kinds of examples all through the Gospels of that, right? Where people did that. But not in this case. You see, in this particular case, it was the faith of the Roman officer that acted as a catalyst for Jesus to heal. So I think that raises the question. Does Jesus ever honor the faith on behalf of someone else? One person's faith on behalf of another person? I think you'd have to say yes. You know, do you, do you remember the, uh, the four friends uh, in Luke chapter five that bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus? Remember the story? They couldn't get in to see Jesus. He's inside a house. There's a crowd that's gathered. They can't get in. There's too many people, so what do they do? They, they go and climb up onto the roof and they dig a hole and they lower their paralyzed friend right down in front of Jesus. And Luke five tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, question, whose faith? The faith of the four friends. That's amazing to me. I'll give you another one. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter one, uh, Paul is uh, testifying about God delivering them from hardship and despair beyond their ability to endure. And then in verse 10, he says this, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Then listen to this. As you help us by what? Your prayers. Now you might be thinking, Pastor Chris, explain that one. I can't. I mean, it's kind of clear though. You say, so are you saying that if I have a friend, family member, 
who just needs a move of God in their life, who needs you know, to be touched by the power of God, that it's possible that God might honor my faith as I pray for them. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Based on the word of God, based on these examples and others, it appears that sometimes that's when God moves. Listen, I think we need to be reminded of that. I think we need to be reminded that, you know what? That right there is why we have a prayer team. That right there is why we, you know, why we collect those prayer requests week in and week out, why we encourage people to go to the prayer and decision area. And that's why we should never, ever lose hope as we pray for people. Because maybe, just maybe, God will move on the faith of that person's friends. Isn't it awesome to think that, that Jesus might actually be so amazed at our faith and our trust, that maybe just like then he might say, hey, I tell you the truth. I have not found such great faith in all of Charleston like I do through the faithful prayer warriors at Coastal Community Church. Sometimes we have to have faith on behalf of other people. Who are you praying for? Don't lose hope. So the kind of faith that amazes Jesus, it begins with that simple childlike trust, that childlike faith. It is focused on other people, not yourself. And then number three, it's always accompanied by love and generosity. Love and generosity. You know, in fact, those two words just naturally go together, don't they? Love and generosity. Somebody once said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without without giving. Look back at verses four and five. After the centurion had sent the Jewish elders to Jesus, we read, so they earnestly begged Jesus to come and help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Again, this would have been crazy back then. I mean, the Jews and the Romans at best just tolerated each other, but at worst, the Jewish people regarded the Romans as, as Gentile dogs. Now, and they especially regarded Roman soldiers and officers as instruments of, of Jewish oppression, okay? But this guy, this officer, he not only apparently loved the Jewish people of Capernaum, but in some capacity, evidently, he helped build their synagogue. Now, most scholars don't think that Luke was implying that he financed it all by himself, but that, you know, because few Roman officers or centurions really would have had that kind of money, but it is possible that somehow, some way, maybe he and his soldier friends, you know, worked to help construct it. And what's really interesting is that the foundation of that synagogue is still standing in Capernaum today. Isn't that cool? And that, that centurion, this, this Roman officer, in some way, he helped construct that. Now, the point that I'm making is this. The generosity of this Roman officer did not produce his faith. No. Instead, it was his faith that produced his love and his generosity. You see, love and generosity are a byproduct of your faith. Now, what's the application to you and me? Listen, it's possible that you can, you can say you believe all you want. 
okay? You can talk about, you know, that, that you're a believer. You can talk about how you go to church, your church attendance. But the question is this. Is your faith producing a love for people and a generosity with your time, your talents, your money, your resources, your stuff? Love and generosity. In fact, listen to Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts. Did you catch that? In other words, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through what? Love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the kind of faith, evidently, that astonishes, amazes Jesus begins with a simple, childlike trust. It focuses on the needs of other people. It's evidenced by a genuine love for people and a generosity of your things. And then number four, it always reflects an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility. Now again, we got these Jewish leaders coming up to Jesus on behalf of the centurion, and they say this, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our people and he's helped build the synagogue. Now, I want you to compare that with the words of the centurion himself in verses six and seven. Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home for I'm not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Now, on the one hand, these Jewish leaders say that he was worthy, but he considers himself what? Unworthy. They praised him for building their house of worship, and then he says, you're not even worthy to come to my house. You see, that's the way it's supposed to be. Strong faith and great humility always go hand in hand. Let me ask you, have you ever been like uh, the Jews here in, the, in this story and thought that somebody else deserved the blessing of God? You know, you say something like this. I mean, I mean, if he, if he or she doesn't deserve it, what? Nobody deserves it. Or perhaps you found yourself thinking that you deserve some special favor from God because of either, you know, the good things you've done or maybe because of the bad things you haven't done. You know, I've had a number of people say to me, you know, something like this when, they, when they've gone through a really tough time. You know, how? How in the world can God let this happen to me? Why is he doing this? I don't deserve this. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've thought stuff like that before. But what I'm really saying is, I deserve better than this. Do I? Do you? I mean, do any of us really deserve the blessings of God? I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm thankful that God hasn't given me what I deserve because I am a sinner and I have violated and insulted his holiness by my attitude and my actions time and time again. And if I were to get what I deserved, I'd be facing an eternity in hell. 
I have never done anything to somehow merit or place myself on the deserving end of God's grace and his goodness and his blessings and his forgiveness. And neither of you. You see, like the centurion, we're all undeserving. And like, I think we know that on some level, but sometimes we forget it. And we, we obsess over you know, everything that's wrong in our lives right now and how terrible our circumstances might be. And I think sometimes we just need to remember that every good thing we have and experience in this life is a gift from God. And those gifts come as a result of his grace in spite of the fact that we don't deserve them. And we can't earn that. So the kind of faith the kind of faithfulness that evidently amazes Jesus. It begins with simple trust. It's focused on other people. It's marked by love and generosity. It's humble. And then finally, number five, it rests on God's word. It rests on God's word. Look back at the, at the latter part of verse seven. After you know, getting word to Jesus that he didn't consider himself to be worthy um, to come and speak with Jesus personally, he says, just say the word. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go, come or they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. So in other words, this Roman officer understood the military chain of command. He understood authority. He understood that the orders of your superior are always to be unquestionably obeyed and followed. In fact, the commander doesn't even have to be actually present. All he, have, all he has to do is say the word, write the word, give the order, and it would be obeyed and followed. Now, do you see what's taking place here? This officer recognized that Jesus has all authority over sickness and disease. So all he had to do was say the word, give the order, and that would be sufficient. He understood that Jesus could heal by his word just as much as he could by his touch. And so this centurion exemplifies great faith in the word of Jesus. And that in turn amazes Jesus. So much so that verse nine tells us, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Wow. You see, our faith ultimately rests on God's word, not on visible evidence. The, the centurion said, I believe that you can heal my servant, just say the word. The skeptic says, I'll believe it when I see it. Faithfulness says, I'll believe it whether I can see it or not, whether I understand it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I feel like it or not. Just say the word, Jesus. We need more, more people like that today, don't we? 
We, we need more believers today like this Roman officer. Just say the word, followers of Jesus. We need Christians who are faithful and obedient, listen, regardless if they can see it, regardless if they understand it or not, regardless if they feel like it in the moment, regardless even, even if they agree with it. We need people who will simply say, like this officer, listen, Jesus said it. So that settles it. Just say the word. Now, listen up, everybody. Guess what? He has. He has. He has already said it in his word, the Bible. You see, the Bible is God's word to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Just say the word. He already has. Let's talk about some examples for just a moment. Do you know that in the first service this morning, we had a young girl get baptized in the first service? Just say the word. Let's talk about it for a second. Baptism. Jesus said it. He commanded it, in fact. And he went a step further, and he did it by example. What are you waiting on? What's your excuse? Just say the word. He did. He did. Let's talk about some other things. Tithing. Giving. Generosity. Well, you know, I'm not sure I really feel like that. You know, it doesn't really agree with me. Who cares? The, the, I mean, He's the commanding officer. Just say the word. He did. I mean, let's keep going. Serving, reaching out, loving, inviting. Just say the word. He did. You see, faith, it is obeying God's word even if you don't understand it, even if you, you know, don't feel like it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, since when, since when is, is you understanding something a prerequisite for obedience? Hebrews 11.8 says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as inheritance, as his inheritance. Listen to this. He went without knowing where he was going. Now, a little background of the story here. Abraham is living in, in the city of Ur of the Chaldees, and God basically says, hey, Abraham, you're an old, old dude. You're 75 years old. So while you're collecting Social Security, I want you to pack it all up, baby. Pack it all up, and I'm going to send you to a new land, a new country. And Abraham says, what's it called? God says, I'll name it when you get there. Abraham says, how will I know when I get there? 
God says, I'll tell you. Now, let me ask, would you go? Faith is obeying when you don't understand it. At 75 years of age, Abraham now starts off on the greatest journey and adventure of his life. And he becomes the father of a nation. Like that's what it means to be faithful. It's to believe when you don't see it. It's to obey even if you don't understand it. Just say the word. You know, in 1989, it didn't make any sense at the time for me to move back to Charleston with no money, no job, no support, no large core group, and at 21 years of age, start this church. But God said, do it. And we did. I asked my wife, Janet, one time, honey, can you ever think of a time when God told you to do something and you did it anyway, even when it didn't make any sense? And she said, absolutely, when God told me to marry you. And um, it worked out pretty good. Um, Listen, being faithful, it's obeying when you can't see it, when you don't understand it, when you don't even feel like it. God said it. So that settles it. You know, as a kid, think about this. As a kid, did your parents ever tell you to do something that in the moment you didn't want to do that didn't even make any sense to you? I'm sure, right? And then years later, you know, years later with 2020 hindsight, you say, oh, now I see. Listen, I think that's the way God is with us. Faith is following him. Faith is doing the right thing, even though maybe in the moment it doesn't make sense to you or it seems absurd to you. So how about you? Are you faithful? You know, is this fruit of the Holy Spirit living in your life? Is it growing? Is it developing? It begins with a very simple, childlike trust. It's always focused on other people, not yourself. It's marked by a love for people, all people, even people who are different than you, like the Roman centurion and the Jewish people. It's, it's a love for others and a generosity with your stuff. It's always humble, and it rests on the Word of God. Are you a just say the Word? follower of Jesus. What has God said to do in his word that you're not yet doing? What has he said to stop doing that you're still doing and you need to stop? Just say the word. That faith, it begins with simple trust. So let me ask, here today in this room, watching online, like a child, 
Have you stepped out in faith and put your trust in Jesus and his vicarious atonement? He died a death he shouldn't have for you, a death that you should have died, a penalty you should pay, but he paid for it for you and for me. And if you'll just put your simple trust and faith in him, God will welcome you home. Just like that shirt that Pastor Scott was wearing earlier said, welcome home. He will welcome you home today. Come home, come home. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I thank you for your holy word. You have said the word. And God, today, it's my prayer that you would find your people here at Coastal faithful. And Father, I believe that there are, there are people here in this room, there are people watching this online that are ready. They're ready to come home. They're ready to place their, their faith in Jesus. And if that's you, if you're ready to do that right now, just pray just a simple childlike prayer today, something like this. Dear Father, I admit it. I have blown it. I have, um, I'm a mess. I have, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But God, today, I believe. I believe that, that Jesus is your son. I believe, God, because of your great love for me, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in my place, to take the penalty for me and my sin. It was me, God, that put your son, Jesus, on that cross. But it was his power over sin and death that enabled him to to prove who he was and he rose from the dead and he is alive. I believe that today, God. And like a little child, I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. Not me, not my goodness, not religion, not me trying to be better, but in Jesus. And now, Father, I just, I just wanna follow him. I want you to find me faithful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.